Welcome to the Kupinger Call Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Call Analyst. My guest today is Alexey Balaganski. He's lead analyst with Kupinger Call. And we want to talk about cloud security today. Hi, Alexey. Hello, Matthias. Thanks for having me again. Great to have you again. And as we always discuss great, interesting cybersecurity-related topics, um, this is something that we want to continue today as well. So cloud security, this is a, a challenge that we have been covering at Kupinger Call for quite some time because all organizations are more or less interested in moving parts of their workloads, parts of their services into the cloud, but they are giving away responsibility. They are giving away control there. And the topic for today is what are the questions that you should ask your cloud service provider uh, when they are providing you services? Where are the areas of, of problems that we have to look at when we look at cloud security from your experience? Well, first of all, Matthias, let me correct you a little bit. Uh, in fact, when companies are migrating to the cloud, they are not giving away their responsibility. On the contrary, they are getting more responsibility. They are uh, unfortunately often not even thinking about. And this is exactly the topic we are going to tackle today. Okay. So as you mentioned, uh, yes, uh, everyone uh, is now moving to the cloud. It's been uh, an ongoing trend for years because now it's only been amplified by this whole work from home situation. And yes, uh, usually uh, when companies are moving to the cloud, they're thinking about costs, they're thinking about scalability, supporting remote workforce and so on. They are usually not thinking about security or even worse, I would argue, they are thinking that by moving to the cloud, they are automatically becoming more secure, which is unfortunately very far from the truth. First of all, as we just mentioned, responsibility still remains with you or the company, no matter what or how you migrate to the cloud, because this notorious shared responsibility model, or which every cloud provider is usually sticking to, explicitly defines that regardless of how you're using the cloud, whether you're only renting infrastructure or you are using a SaaS, for example, platform, or you are still responsible for your data in the cloud. So in terms of GDPR, you are still a data controller, even though you do not actually have any control over the data anymore because it's being stored in the cloud but you are still responsible for it. If you remember all those high-profile data leaks and breaches when someone discovers an unprotected F3 bucket on Amazon Cloud or an encrypted database somewhere else, nobody is punishing Amazon or Azure or any other cloud provider. It's always the company which neglected to protect their data in the cloud, defined or otherwise responsible. Right. So what is then what an, a customer has to look at when we, when they are talking about uh, responsibility here? Uh, I, I have to correct myself. You're completely right. So it's not, not that you're giving away responsibility, but you're giving away control. So you need to make sure that the cloud service provider who do, does something on behalf of you um, is really doing that the way that you require him to be. Is that put better? Right. So many companies do, or I mean, they are in a way correct, assuming that a cloud provider can 
just by uh, the matter of their expertise and scale and experience be more secure than their old school on-prem data center. But it doesn't automatically mean that this uh, security of their cloud translates into security in the cloud. And of course, it absolutely does not mean that it somehow automatically translates into governance and compliance. All of this is still your responsibility as a company. And uh, from on a, on a very abstract and conceptual level, this whole idea of uh, extending your IT governance into the cloud is perhaps a topic to discuss for a few hours. And I know that we have quite a lot of research on our website on the topic. But again, today we are just uh, talking about the key buzzwords, if you will, the key things to look for, the key keywords. And I would argue that uh, one of the most important things to look for is uh, security by design. So yes, every cloud provider has its own infrastructure secured, obviously. This is their responsibility. This is part of the contract. And this is, uh, of course, covered by many compliance regulations. But again, they are securing their infrastructure. It does not mean that they will automatically secure your data hosted on that infrastructure. Besides the obvious uh, uh, misconfigurations, negligence, exploits, and so on, there is always uh, a problem of uh, a nosy neighbor, for example, and just kind of in a, every uh, public cloud and every multi-tenant environment, there can be an opportunity for uh, another customer using the same infrastructure to snoop on your data. Sometimes it's just an exploit like that, or bug in the Intel processors. Mm-hmm. You probably remember Spectre and Meltdown and other, they have so many names for them. Some customers or all major cloud providers had to patch the infrastructure, uh, reducing the performance and losing quite a lot of uh, money during that. But who knows how many unpatched vulnerabilities are there. And of course, there is always the possibility that a rogue admin of the cloud service provider would snoop into your data unless you have specific explicit measures in place to prevent it. Right. But when you mention security by design, that looks very different depending on the actual deployment model that you're looking at. If it's infrastructure as a service that you're using and you're running your own systems on top of that, uh, parts or large parts of this security by design approach is in your hands and again in your responsibility. The more you move towards software as a service, this also moves more over to the cloud service provider while you retain responsibility. They are in charge of maintaining this correctly, right? Well, again, security security by design is not a technology. It's not a product. It's not something which you can just ask a, a cloud service provider directly, like, "Hey, are you secure by design?" And even they say, even if they say yes, how do you ver- verify that claim? And obviously, uh, it's all about uh, the mindset. It's all about the architecture. So, secure by design. Uh, somehow imply that you will design your hardware and software architectures in a way that security is a high priority from the very first design step, right? So it's not a bolt-on, it's not a later addition, it's not a gate installed in the middle of an empty field, it's really something which was uh, been uh, built directly into every layer of uh, a cloud infrastructure, for example. 
And of course, your part of your cloud project, like if it's a software or a database, it has to be just as well designed with security by design in mind. It involves lots of uh, specific technologies, uh, network isolation or on the cloud infrastructure level. For example, if there are some certain hardware-based uh, isolation measures in place uh, at a certain cloud provider, which would uh, allow them to claim, hey, our admins have no physical opportunity to snoop into your data because they are fully physically isolated from your uh, instance running in the cloud. That's a huge step towards security by design, but not the only one, of course. Right. So we've, we've talked about security by design. We've talked about this concept of shared responsibility. What are other areas that we should look at when where, where the issues arise and where we need to ask the right questions? Well, the problem, of course, is that secure by design is something which you would have to start thinking, okay, I would rather say a cloud service provider would have to start thinking about 15 years ago. I think it was 2006 when the first cloud service provider was officially launched to AWS, right? It would be uh, almost foolish to believe that uh, 15 years ago, they already knew about all the security challenges of today. So any cloud service provider, just like any other company, already has uh, technical debt, which prevents them to claim that, yeah, we are fully secure by design. It's not possible. The next best thing in, in, is therefore security by default, if you will. That even if you are only secure enough, if you are still not by far secure, like 100% secure, which obviously isn't possible at all, but if you are uh, in theory secure enough, it still does not translate automatically that every customer using your infrastructure will be secure automatically. If some uh, security measures and controls are only optional and the customer would have to enable them manually and first they would have to find out that those controls even exist, you are not secure by default. There are so many problems with F3 buckets on Amazon, for example, which for years have been leaking gigabytes and terabytes of sensitive data because even though they already have so many security controls, they are almost never enabled by default because admins simply forget to enable those controls. So secure by default means that all those controls are not just available, but they are in fact enabled as soon as a new customer starts using the service. They are configured according to current best practices. They are updated accordingly when new threats arise and so on. So it's a continuous process. And again, it's something which you probably have to trust uh, uh, cloud service providers' claims about because there is no written standard which would say, yeah, we certify that this particular service is secure by default. You have to find out. You have to ask explicit questions. Like, does your database as a service come uh, encrypted by default? Is it possible to somehow disable uh, admin password and open your database to the world? and so on. These are all valid questions, really important ones. Right, so security by default, for, for to make to put it easy for me, would be this deny all as the status for starting out and opening up what you do want to open up and everything else is secure by default, is locked, is denied by default. That's one of the uh, key factors in that, yes, you're absolutely right. But of course, uh, not only 
denied by default. There are so many, again, there are so many uh, specific technologies that can be applied. The most important uh, takeaway that uh, if there is a security control available, it should be on by default. Right. In an, in an earlier episode, we've talked about uh, security from the cloud as a service. When we're moving into the cloud, that seems to be a perfect fit there so that you have this level of security that we talked about earlier also for the platforms that you use in the cloud. Is that a, a thing? Absolutely. I mean, our, in a way, it's the same old school or layered security approach, the defense in depth which was already popularized by, I think, ancient Romans, right? Even before the cloud. And the point is that uh, usually uh, a cloud service provider uh, has their own pretty developed and large uh, ecosystem of technology partners. So a cloud service provider on themselves will probably hesitate to offer a broad range of uh, security tools for you because it will uh, stifle their uh, competition. So instead, they would uh, refer you to the uh, partners, the third-party security providers. And it's up to you to find out which uh, third-party security tool is the best for your purposes. Again, a cloud service provider is interested in uh, encouraging you to use as many of those tools as possible, because obviously they will bring them more money. And it's, of course, it's in your interest to do completely opposite to minimize the overlap and uh, redundancy of your security controls. And you, sh you should probably uh, refer our uh, listeners to one of the earlier episodes about the concept of security fabric, because that's exactly what we were talking about in that uh, episode. I mean, you were talking about with your guest. Right. Uh, got it. So many cloud service providers already are in a situation that they provide instances of machines of s3 buckets whatever in a highly automated fashion and when they are doing that that that, that um, suggests to me that implementing the security looking at threats um, reacting to threats um, is also something that could be or should be uh, automated as well am i right Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, the whole idea of uh, migrating to the cloud is to offload your manual administrative effort to someone else. Kind of the obvious, uh, the most uh, old school approach is to find a managed service provider. So basically to let other people do it for you. But even those other people have limited capability. And since we are having so many new threats uh, and threat attack vectors and just kind of billions of security events daily on a large scale, humans just cannot keep up. So some kind of uh, intelligent automation is desperately needed. Obviously, the whole machine learning and AI is a huge topic nowadays. The problem with those solutions is that they are still not quote-unquote, automated enough to work without a human in the loop. Yes, they will minimize uh, some tedious uh, menial labor. They will provide uh, some decision support for the human analyst, but the human analyst still has to click a button to make a decision. This is, uh, of course, automation, but uh, in my opinion, this is uh, an evolutionary dead end because uh, as the cloud continues to grow, there won't be enough humans to run its security. Sooner or later, 
we will have to be looking for completely autonomous as opposed to automated approach towards security, meaning that uh, a system, a service, or an application should be able to defend themselves without any human involvement. Unfortunately, until we are, have this whole holy grail of uh, general artificial intelligence in reality, which we probably won't have in at least 10 years from now, we have to be content with uh, very narrow, focused, specialized solutions. There are some products on the market. For example, the company called Ducktrace makes an autonomous email security solution, which at least claims to defend your company from uh, email based threats without any human involvement in seconds instead of hours or minutes even. There are some interesting developments from Oracle, for example, with their database products. But then again, those are point solutions which are great whenever they are applicable, but they are still kind of having problems with scaling to other types of security vectors. So this is more of a matter of future developments. But still, it's already the right time to ask those capabilities from your cloud service provider. Right. In an earlier episode together with our colleague Annie, I've talked about uh, the, the issues around AI and machine learning and all the topic of explainability and reproducibility of, of results. That is also something that comes into play. We cannot dig here into that as well today, but I think that is also something that you would not like to fully rely upon a, an, an algorithm on a trained model of which you do not really know why it behaves today the way it does and tomorrow maybe a bit different. There might be good reasons for that and that might be explainable, but you're not in a situation to really check that afterwards. Well, I guess one uh, problem uh, here is that many people tend to think about security as purely a reactive process. Like, okay, we are being attacked. Let's do something against it. It would be great if AI can do that, but many people have trust issues as you just mentioned. But uh, security isn't uh, just about reaction, right? Proactive security is just more important. It's just uh, as important, if not more. Because if, for example, you have a database in the cloud, it has to be patched. It's still a software product run by someone else. The question is, do you trust uh, that a human engineer at your cloud service provider will do that for you? Maybe they'll forget. Maybe they have different plans or like to do it by the end of the month. Or would you rather allow a tiny but relatively smart specialized AI to do the patching for you? Well, this is that kind of uh, autonomous behavior we are looking for. Right. Okay, got it. You've already mentioned that this is a topic that we cover in depth in, in our cybersecurity area. And of course, you are an active author there, especially when it comes to covering these solutions. So it's highly recommended that our audience just goes to our website and checks out our blog posts, our research, and gets in touch with you or just the team to ask the individual questions. But if we close down this episode today... We have shown the areas where some of the issues arise from and where we have to look at, but what would be the questions to ask your cloud service provider as a, as a recommendation? If you have not already done so, do it now. And if you are just signing a new contract, make sure that you ask these questions. Do you have a few takeaways for our listeners? Well, obviously, uh, the very first thing uh, is even not the question to the CSP, it's the question to yourself, rather. 
like, uh, do I even understand that the cloud security does not come automatically? It probably won't be included in a quote-unquote default cloud package. It's something which you have to actively look for yourself. So you just have to know that the problems and challenges exist and you have to actively reach to your cloud service provider and ask, do they have uh, some kind of uh, certifications? Because uh, of course they will probably have an SLA for you. They will probably have some clauses in the contracts, but uh, have they ever been uh, tested and enforced? Have they uh, ever withstood uh, or a lawsuit, for example, uh, have they been tested in, in, in real life scenarios? Not necessarily. So uh, ask for independent certification or attestation that a specific service is actually implemented according to all the standards and compliance regulations. And uh, that's an important point. You have to ask about every service separately. Every kind of blanket claim that would say, okay, our whole infrastructure is Com compliant, therefore our service XYZ is compliant by default. That's not true. And of course, uh, as I mentioned, uh, you would have to ask, uh, are there any tools available for the customer to deploy? How they are configured? Are they on by default? Are they being updated uh, according to the best practices? Where do you get the guidance for deploying those controls and so on? Basically, uh, it would probably be very difficult for you to do it on your own. And of course, the cloud service provider is there to support you, but they won't do it just because they feel generous. It might be uh, a separate service available for a separate fee. And all those uh, assessments uh, and checks, they have to be uh, continuous. It's not enough to ask once, put the checkbox in your compliance formula, uh, form and forget about it. Because again, the threat landscape changes daily and you probably only run your compliance checks yearly. So the gap will be huge. And of course, uh, you should be uh, out there looking for all the latest interesting developments like those autonomous tools, AI, machine learning, you know, maybe even blockchain. There are so many uh, interesting stuff uh, available on the market nowadays and we exist to learn about this and to tell our customers what makes sense and what doesn't. Right. And I've had two episodes already with our colleague Paul from London, and we talked about privileged access management. I, I assume that, that putting the, um, the keys to the, to the cloud infrastructure, to the software as a service that you're using. So the, the say Salesforce or, um, whatever application you want to look at also into a uh, privileged access management system that is adequate and that really serves that purpose so that this main entrance, this this key to your kingdom is well protected, right? It's really interesting that you've brought up the topic of privilege management because this is arguably one of the most underappreciated things about the cloud because the cloud engineers, the cloud administrators, they are just as well privileged people, privileged accounts which have or potentially have full access to your data hosted on that cloud infrastructure. So of course they have to be incorporated into your corporate privileged access management strategy or whatever solutions you have deployed. Because if your service provider doesn't have this kind of opportunity for you to control their privileged access, you will end up like Twitter. You probably remember though that Bitcoin debacle of Twitter 
of the recent days. With high-profile accounts, right? Yeah, it all has happened because uh, their internal employees had unchecked access to any Twitter account and they were able to uh, modify the settings or even write tweets on their behalf. And of course, uh, as soon as a hacker somehow uh, gained access to that tool, the hacker was able to do the same uncontrollably, uncheck it. And this is the highest privileged access to sensitive data in the cloud. Imagine what would have happened if this were, well, let's not name any name, but if this were your cloud service provider. It is a possibility. And it's, it's something that you have to actively think about and be prepared for. Right. So to sum it up, um, we need to make sure, or everybody has to make sure, that they have a full understanding of the security situation that they want to have for their cloud. They need to make sure that they have all the technology and the processes in place that are required to achieve this level um, of security and that you have also reliable assurance, reliable proof that this security is implemented on a daily basis. You've mentioned certifications. Uh, I think you, you're talking about something like C5 in Germany or SOC 2 um, certificates when it comes to the US. So this is the uh, type of stuff that we should aim at looking for when uh, also evaluating in the first step the quality of our cloud service provider independent of what we all have to do. Yeah, I guess that's a pretty nice summary. And as the last uh, major takeaway, just let me remind you that in the cloud, no matter how you are using it, no matter how much you pay for it, it is still your responsibility to secure your data. And it's still your responsibility to bear all the consequences of a data breach. So you have to be prepared for that. Okay, nothing to add from my side. We, have, we need to make sure that we live up to this responsibility. Thank you very much, Alexei, for joining me today. Looking forward to having you again, because it's always lots to learn here. Uh, thank you very much, Alexei. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.